You know, y'all sure look a whole lot different from up here than you do on the back row. <laughs> for those of you that don't know who I am, my name's Luke Hockenjoss. Uh, I've been a member here for quite some time. And if you're visiting, I, I've got some news for you. This church, this church and the people inside this church will love you just like Jesus. At one of my darkest times, I walked in the doors of First Baptist of Ruston, Louisiana, and was expecting to be kicked out and chased out and chased with a broom. But one man met me at the door, and he talked to me. And his words to me were, we are happy to see you here. So if you are visiting this church, it is a great church. And if you're a member of this church, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for loving me just like Jesus. Tonight, we're going to be in the book of Psalm, chapter 51, 12 through 13. And we're going to be talking about excitement. And, and I just, you know, what excites you when you think about that word excitement? Or what brings you joy uh, if you're a parent, when you watch your kids excel in something or succeed, that, that brings you excitement, does it not? Or if you're a grandparent, when those grandkids call you papa or mama or, or whatever you go by. My parents, when my little nieces were able to start talking, and when they started being able to say mama and honey, I'm sorry, honey and papa, my mom doesn't go by mama, she goes by honey. <laughs> when they started being able to say honey and papa, the excitement and the joy that came over my parents' face was just unbelievable. If Chris was here tonight, he would probably say that Bluebell excites him and brings him joy. And he's probably eating a gallon of it watching this right now. <laughs> the other day when we were eating lunch and Chris asked me if I wanted to preach tonight, I was full of so much excitement that my legs started shaking and I got so nervous. And when I dropped Chris off afterwards, I became so joyous that I started crying tears of joy. But I waited until I dropped Chris off because I don't cry in front of men. But tonight's sermon is called Getting Back to the Excitement because everywhere that I go, every church that I go into, there's always just a little hint of excitement and joy missing. And in my heart and, and in my I believe that we have started to lose the true meaning of excitement, the true source of our joy. And tonight we're talking about getting back to the excitement or getting back to the joy. And the first point, I'm just a confession, I'm not used to preaching in a church with uh, <laughs> this stuff back behind me. So the points are not going to be on the screen. <laughs> But the first point is true joy comes from the salvation of Jesus. True joy comes from salvation in Jesus. Listen to what David said in Psalm 51, 12. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And that word restore, it means to bring back, to take back to the beginning. What David was saying, he was saying, bring me back to the time to where my joy came from you, Lord. Bring me back to the time to when I was dancing in the field and praising your name. Bring me back to the time, Father, when all I wanted to do was praise your name. Take me back to the joy of your salvation. When I was about 18 or 19 years old, I, I had a little side job working in a paint and body shop. Now, if you know my past, it was not a chop shop. It was a real paint and body shop. And this guy did a lot of restoration and a lot of restoring of old vehicles. And he always would have me grind the paint off of these old cars and take it down to bare metal. And I asked him, I said, why, why are you having me do this? And he said, because if you don't take all the old paint off and you leave any of it on, the new paint's not going to stick. If you don't take it back to the foundation, if you don't take it back to its original being, it is not going to stick. And what David is saying here is saying, strip everything from me that is blocking me from you, Lord, so that I can experience the true joy in your salvation again. Take me back to that salvation. 
Our joy is found in the deliverance of Jesus. That word salvation, it means deliverance. You know, if Jesus has not set you free, praise God tonight, he can set you free. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. It never says anything about tomorrow. It says today is a day of salvation. And true deliverance is experienced by joy. When Jesus sets you free, when he breaks those chains of your addiction, when he breaks those chains of your doubt and your worry and your misery, he sets you free and he delivers you. But it's more than just knowing about Jesus. You've got to have that relationship with him. You have to walk with him and talk with him. The Bible says clearly that you believe in God, good for you. So do the demons, and they shudder in his name. In order to experience the joy of the salvation, you have to have that relationship with Jesus. And David, if you know the story that's found in 2 Samuel 11 through 12, David had kind of drifted away a little bit from Jesus. He, right? He was on top of a, his roof of his palace, and, and he saw this woman, Bathsheba. I told Olivia that we were going to name our first daughter Bathsheba Hockenjoss. <laughs> and she did just what y'all did. But I tell you, she ain't going to date a David. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> but David was on top of the palace, and he saw this woman, Bathsheba. And that's where he started putting his joy in, was that woman. And he got her to come over to the palace, and then they ended up falling into temptation and into sin, and then he ended up having her husband, Uriah the Hittite, killed, and, and David lost the true joy of his salvation. He lost that joy, and he started putting his joy in something else other than the Lord. Where is your joy coming from tonight, church? Do you have a Bathsheba in your life? And, it, and I'm not talking just about a, a woman or a man that you might be doing something that you shouldn't be doing with. If it is not your husband, you shouldn't be doing anything with him. If it is not your wife, you shouldn't be doing anything with her. But it might not be a woman or a man. It might be a drug that has taken away your joy. It might be doubt. It might be worry. It might be stress that is taking away your joy. But what is it tonight that is keeping you from experiencing the true joy of Jesus? What is it tonight that is separating you from experiencing that joy because I promise you there's nothing like, there's nothing like the joy that comes from the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, whenever we accept Jesus, when we get to that joy, it says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old way of life is dead and the new way of life is alive. You are a new creation when Christ delivers you and when you experience the joy of his salvation. True joy doesn't come from anything that the world has to offer. If you try to find your joy in anything other than Jesus, you are doing it wrong. I believe with all my heart that your family, that your kids, they should bring you joy, but they should not bring you more joy than Jesus. I believe that you should have a joyful time when you're at work, but if you are getting more joy from your work than you are from Jesus, you're doing it wrong. If you are putting anything above Jesus, if you're putting anything above the relationship that you have with Jesus, you're putting it in the wrong place. Jesus should be number one in your life. And David realized this and he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. The Bible says clearly that the things in this world will perish, but the word of God will last forever. The word of God will last forever. And the Bible says clearly that in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. The word of God is Jesus Christ and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be there for you and he will never fail you. Time and time again, people say that Jesus failed this, Jesus failed that. Jesus hasn't failed anything. He never failed me and he'll never fail you. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus does not play favorites. Every person sitting in here is a favorite of Jesus Christ tonight. And every person sitting in here tonight has hope to experience the joy of the salvation in Jesus Christ. The next thing that David said after, he said, Restore to me this joy. Restore to me this joyous salvation that you have, Lord. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. True salvation 
is followed by willing obedience. Now that obedience word, it always kind of makes me cringe. And, and you, I'll just go ahead and be honest with you. When I was a little kid and a young adult, I was not the most obedient to my parents. <laughs> I kind of thought they was a little ignorant sometimes. I'm just, but I, the older I get, I find out how wise my parents truly were. And when they were trying to get me to obey them, they weren't trying to get me to obey them so that I would stay away from having fun or anything. They were trying to get me to obey them because they cared about me and they loved me and they had their be- my best interest in their heart. The reason that God wants us to walk in obedience with him is because he cares for us. The reason that God ha- wants us to be obedient is because he wants us to be in that relationship with him. He knows what's best for us because he created us. He knows what you need and he can meet all of your needs. Matthew six thirty three, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and then all you need will be added unto you. He will take care of you when you walk in obedience with him. When David says, make me willing to obey you, that word willing, it means make me ready to obey you. Make me eager to obey you. Make me prepared to obey you, is what he was saying. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, 22, Samuel says, he's talking to Saul, and Samuel says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering fatted rams. Your obedience is better than any sacrifice that anybody has ever offered to God Almighty. When you're walking in obedience, you're doing it correctly. And that's hard at times because we feel like we know better than God, right? Or is that just me? Sometimes I feel like I know God that if I just do this, then everything else will work out. And he's sitting there saying, I know what's coming. And if you do that, you're going to end up in destruction. You need to go this way. And every single time that I find out when I walk in obedience with God, it works out. And when I don't walk in obedience, I cause more problem than I ever had to begin with. True joy, true salvation is followed by willing obedience. You can't halfway be obedient. The Bible says clearly that you can't serve two different gods. You can't just serve the world one day and then God the next and the world the next and God the next. You have to be fully obedient to God. Full obedience is what he calls for after you experience that salvation. A lot of us, I know some people that experience the salvation and they feel like that's that's it. That's all they have to do because they're not told and they're not taught about that there is obedience that you have to walk in. In the book of Exodus, there's the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. In my old grandfather's Bible that my mom gave me, that his mama gave him, mamas give Bibles all the time, don't they? (laughs) Praise God for praying Bible-giving mamas. But my great-grandmother wrote in this Bible in 1958 and told my grandfather, O.A. Houck, to keep the Ten Commandments. Because when we keep those commandments, when we walk in that obedience with God, it is better than any sacrifice that we could ever offer to him. You can't be obedient to the world and Jesus at the same time. And how do we obedient? Jesus asked, was asked one time, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, you know what it is? What is it? And the guy answered, it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. When we're in obedience with God, we are loving him with everything that we have. When we're walking in that obedience with God, we're not worried about what's going on in the world because we know that he is able to handle it when we are obedient to him. There's nothing in this world greater than God Almighty. And there's nothing in this world too small for God to handle or too small for him to care about. He cares about everything in our lives. And he wants us to be obedient to him. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said clearly, he said, If any man wants to come after me, he must be willing to deny himself daily. This is a day-to-day process. It's not just a one-time thing. This is a day-to-day process of following Jesus. You must be willing to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. 
When we're walking in obedience, we are following Jesus in the same steps that he's already taken. And if he promises, again, like I've said, to never leave us nor forsake us, he's not going to lead us anywhere that he wouldn't go. And he will walk with us through the whole thing. True salvation is followed by willing obedience. And in verse 13, David says, Then I will teach your ways to the rebels. Then I will, I like to add this, Then I will teach your ways to the Luke Hockenjosses of the world. Because <laughs> Lord knows that I was a rebel. And I'm sure I'm not alone in being a rebel in this room. But David says, Then I will teach your ways to the rebels, and they will return to you. Once you experience this salvation, once you experience this joy, once you start walking in obedience, you have a job to do. And that job is to teach others about Jesus. That job is to teach others about the saving grace and the mercy that is found in God Almighty. That job is to tell people about the love that Jesus has for them. That job is to tell people about this salvation that they too can experience. This joy and this love and this truth is not just meant to be kept inside. It is meant to be shared. In Matthew 19, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it's the Great Commission. It's one of my favorite passages. And Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, he says, And teach these new disciples to obey all of my commandments. If Jesus said that we are to teach them to obey, how important should we walk in obedience? I find in my life that whatever Jesus says is pretty dang important, (laughs) and I should follow it to the best of my ability. And he says clearly here to teach these new disciples, just like David said, and then I will teach your ways to the rebels. In some translations, it says, then I will teach your ways to the transgressors. It's our job to teach this joy and this salvation. True joy comes from the salvation in Jesus. And true salvation is followed by willing obedience. And true joy is meant to be shared and is meant to be taught to people. And lastly, our joy should draw others to Jesus. One of the reasons that I kept coming back to this church and kept coming back to this church is because every time I walked in, I was met with a smile. I was met with love and compassion. They didn't agree with what I was doing, but they knew that only Jesus could save me, and that's exactly what they gave me was Jesus. Our joy in this salvation is meant to be shared. If you think of the story that Chris has been preaching on in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman, when she left her house that morning to go get water, she didn't have a clue who she was fixing to meet at that well. She had no idea that Jesus was sitting there, but Jesus knew that she was coming there. Jesus met her where she was. And after Jesus and her talked for quite some time, and she figured out who Jesus was, and she ran back to the village. She ran back to where she was from, and she started telling all these people, you've got to come meet who I just met. You have got to come to the well with me. You have got to come meet this man named Jesus. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And if you read in John chapter 4, you will find out that many Samaritans came to believe in Jesus Christ because of that one woman. Because she ran back to her town, sharing the joy of her salvation. Because she ran back, because she didn't let anything hold her back. Because she ran back in obedience and shared that salvation and shared her joy, others came. And others came and experienced that joy with her. Who are you sharing your joy with tonight? Who are you sharing that salvation with tonight? Who have you been sharing Jesus with tonight? Or are you just comfortable with coming to church like we all get? We all get comfortable just coming to church. When there's a job for every single one of us to do, our job as Christians, Jesus said it clearly, is to go and teach these new disciples to obey all my commands. And the very last part of that great commission, he says, in in my words, he says, and don't be worried because I will be right there with you. There should be nothing that scares us in this world because we have Jesus walking in front of us, beside us, and behind us.
People should be able to look at us and see that there is something different. I, have to, I always wonder that Samaritan woman. When she, ran, when she left the village, you know that there were some people, possibly, sitting there snickering and talking about her while she was walking away, like some people, like some people do. And when she left that village, they didn't think anything of it. And when she came back later that day, they could tell that there was something different about her. When people look at you, can they tell that there's something different about you? Or do they just look at you and think you're just like the rest of the world? Because as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be set apart from the world. We are called to live different, to walk different, to talk different, to act different, because we represent Jesus Christ. We represent the Savior of the world. We represent the man who died on a cross for everyone, so that all who believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Tonight, where is your joy coming from? Is your joy coming from your salvation in Jesus Christ, or have you let things starting to get in your way? Are you walking in obedience with God, or have you started walking in obedience to the world? Are you sharing, sharing Jesus with others? Are you doing the Great Commission, or have you gotten comfortable because I, believe, I know with all of my heart that Jesus can and still will change this world. But it's, it starts with us. We have to walk in this obedience. We have to walk in our salvation. And we have to share it with Jesus. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you so much, God. And Lord, you are able to, to meet our needs exceedingly and abundantly, Father. Lord, you were able to do more than we ever thought possible. And tonight, Father, I just pray that you, you've spoken to us. Lord, I pray that you've spoken through this message, God. I pray that you have Lord, showed us where the true joy needs to come from. It needs to come from you, Father. Lord, we love you. And we give you all the praise. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And there's going to be ministers down here. And if you need anything tonight, God, these, we love to pray. Prayer is one of the most powerful.